You're listening to Family, a sermon series about what a biblical household looks like. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Everybody good? Everybody good? Yeah. Look, look at the person sitting next to you and just tell them how blessed they are to hear your voice today. Tell them they are, they are hearing the voice of an angel and they don't even know it, right? Hey, it is good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, just one of the pastors here at Elevate Church. I'm so glad that you really are joining us today. We're in week three of a series we have been in that we have just titled family, family. See, I got family, you got family, we all uh, got family. Some of us have immediate family, some of us have uh, extended family, some of us have blended family, some of us have people in our life that aren't really related to us by blood, but we still consider them to be family. And and when you hear that word family, uh, sometimes we remember the good things. Sometimes we remember all the great memories, but there are other times where we hear that word family, and sometimes we remember the bad things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You remember the bad things in your family? Like when I was a little kid, I I found out that I had this disease that required that I eat dirt three times a day or I would actually die. Uh, I'm so lucky that I had a sister who told me about it and made sure that I ate my dirt every every day. I, I'm just kidding, but she really was mean to me when I was a kid. Y'all, she's here this morning on the front row. Praise the Lord. But anyway, uh, but anyway, again, uh, truthfully, we all have different images that pop into our mind when we think about family. And in this series, what we have said is that we really do. We want our families to be blessed, because the opposite of wanting your family to be blessed would be that you want your family to be cursed. And if that's really you, if that's what you want, if you want your family to be cursed, you really do have some serious problems. We should want our families to be blessed. But unfortunately, when we look at the majority of families today, sometimes even when we look at our own families, we wouldn't use the word blessed to describe them. I mean, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Did you know that 25% of all women will be a victim of domestic abuse? 26% of all children under the age of 18 are being raised in a single-parent home, with the majority of those being single mothers. And one out of every three marriages, one or both partners will admit to having cheated on the other. Again, when you look at the majority of families in our world, in our nation, we, we wouldn't use the word blessed to describe them. We'd use troubled. We'd use the word overwhelmed. We'd use the word stressed. We'd, we'd use words like that. And so as we start today, let me kind of get you guys to participate. Everybody participate with me. Uh, how many of you guys uh, have somebody in your family who is just a really, really difficult person to get along with? They don't have to live in your house, you know what I'm saying, but they could be extended family. Keep your hands up uh, if you got somebody really, 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 really difficult. Some of y'all aren't participating. So look around. Look, do you see that nearly everybody's hand is up? If your hand is not up, you're that person. That's really, really difficult to deal with because it's a spiritual principle. You know, every family has that one 
person. They really do. And the truth of the matter is, all relationships are, are difficult. They can be challenging. And, and it's amazing how easily we can slip into dysfunction, especially when it comes to the relationships that involve our family. Like, I don't know if you guys have, have seen the video clip that's going around on the internet right now. My mom posted it online, and I really thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, we're going to show it to you in just a second, but before we do, let me kind of preface it and tell you, it's got these two fish in it, okay? And I'm going to narrate this, this scene to you guys. It's real short, uh, but when I watched this video, I couldn't help but think that these two fish were related, you know? They could be husband and wife. They might be brother or sister. They might be might be sister and sister. I, I don't know, man. But when I, watch this, when I watch these fish, I know for a fact they are related. So we're going to, in just a second, we're going to put these, this on the screen, and I'm going to narrate it for you. So you guys ready? Here we go. What'd you say about me? I know you did. What, what did you just do? Oh, you better not. Bleh, I'm going to throw this. If I had fins, if I didn't have fins, I would come and punch you, but I'm going to spit dirt in your general direction. What? Don't you? I cannot believe you. Your mama is so bad. Man, I can't believe your mama raised you like this. You know what? I'm going to get you back for that. Blah. And so, that, oh, you better not be talking about my mama. I'm going to get you one more time. Watch, watch, I'm, watch this. Doesn't that explain? Doesn't that really look like a lot of your relationships? Blah, 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 right? Seriously. Somebody will hurt us, and so what will we do? We hurt them back. Somebody will be mean to us, and so what do we do? We're mean right back. It, it's really crazy to me how people will do stupid stuff, just like those fish eating dirt and throwing it on one another. We'll do stupid stuff just to get back at, at people, and just to get back at people in our family. In our homes, there really is There's just so much turmoil that some wives actually dread going home. They dread going home because... They're going to go home to a husband who neglects them and they feel invisible. Sometimes there are wives who wish they were invisible so that their husband wouldn't be mean to them and be rude to them. There are some husbands who look for just any reason not to be at home because they don't want to go home and fight with their wife and they don't want to go home to hear constant nagging. They, they just don't want that. Parents have rebellious kids and teenagers and, and they do things that just rip out their parents' hearts, and sometimes we look at our homes. Sometimes we look at our homes and we wonder, how in the world can I experience peace in my family? How in the world can I experience peace? See, some of us here today, you, 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 know, you, might, you might have a mother or a father or just somebody in your family who did something years ago, and you've yet to forgive them about it. And, and, and so today we're going to look at something that Jesus said really about peace. Now, in this series, we've been looking at well, the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. It's in Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at uh, Jesus' sermon on the mount, and in this sermon, he gives what are known as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And so today, we're going to look at verse 9 of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. I want you to see what Jesus says here, because we're applying what he says to our family. And so Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called 
children of God. Now, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, there really are, there are two words that are used, uh, two original words that are used to describe peace. There is a Hebrew word, there is a Greek word, and the Greek word that is used for peace is a word called erin, and then there's a word that's in Hebrew for peace, and it's called shalom. That is still a greeting that a lot of people use today, shalom. And so what that word means, you need to understand that peace means, it means much more than just what you and I think of when, when we hear that word peace in the English language. See, peace or shalom, it doesn't, just, it doesn't just mean that, you know, hey, I hope bad things don't happen in your life. That's not, that's not what that means. It, it doesn't just mean that. It also means that I wish you the highest good. Not only do I hope that nothing bad happens to you, but I, I hope that the best things that could happen to you do happen to you. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he isn't just saying, hey, I hope that your home doesn't have anything bad happen in it. Jesus is saying, I hope that everything good that could happen in your home and in your life actually does. I want the best possible for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so when Jesus says this, just like every other beatitude that he shares, when the people hearing what Jesus said heard this, they would have been shocked because Jesus was teaching something that was completely different than everything everybody had previously been taught. See, the people who are hearing Jesus speak right now, they would have been familiar with this type of training, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If somebody hits you, you know what you do? You hit them back. If somebody steals from you, you know what you do? You steal something right back. That's the culture that these people would have been raised in. But Jesus steps on the scene and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is telling these people and he's telling you, he's telling me, he's telling us that if we're actually going to follow him, we have to embrace a higher calling. If we're really going to be true followers of Christ, that means that your life, my life, their life, our lives cannot look like everyone else in this world. There's something different that Jesus has for us. And notice he says again, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. There is a big difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper will, will often avoid conflict. They'll often avoid conflict. A peacekeeper will often not say anything because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. And so they think, hey, look, I just won't address it. I just won't talk about it. They just pretend like nothing is wrong just to keep the peace. They work around the issue, but never through the issue. But Jesus, again, he doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He says blessed are the peacemakers. A peacemaker will often embrace conflict in order to work through the issue. Not around, but through. A peacemaker will, will say, you know what, we need to eliminate this tension that exists right here. We don't, just, we don't just need to keep peace. We need to make peace. We need to make peace. Peacemakers say, I'm going to spend my energy, 
my efforts and all that I have trying to make peace. Like how many of y'all like cookies? You like cookies? Ooh, this past Wednesday night, if you weren't in Bible study, you missed a blessing. We had, I, I, made, I, I, brought, I bought a, a bag of these double stuffed Oreo with chocolate cream. How many of y'all ever had those? Oh, man, when I ate that cookie, it was like heaven opened up, man. And angels were singing, hallelujah, man, they were so good. Anyway, what was I talking about? Cookies, that's right. So here's the deal. Is it easier to buy cookies or easier to make cookies, homemade cookies? To buy cookies, right? I remember one time at our house, we decided we were going to try to make homemade cookies. And so when you're making homemade cookies, you know, you got you to gotta have flour and all that and then a little mixture deal. And then you got to crack eggs. You got to beat eggs or whip eggs or whatever it is that you do. And you got to roll those things out. And you got to get a cookie cutter. And you got to put them in an the oven. And you got to make sure that you leave them in there for just the right amount of time. You know what I'm saying? Because if you leave them in there too long and they're burnt, they're nasty. And so you're like, man, we just wasted all that time. But I mean, you know, again, we tried to do it one time at our house. And it looked like there was like this explosion of white powder all over our kitchen. If the cops would have showed up, I'm pretty sure they would have arrested us. You know what I'm saying? Because they would have been like, what is going on in this house? But some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway. But, again, it's much more difficult to make cookies than it is just to buy cookies. And what I want you to understand is that it is much more difficult to make peace than it is just to keep peace. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. The peace, the peacemakers. Uh, uh, the, the apostle Paul, Paul said something very similar to this in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. I want you to see what he says. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Now, let me stop for just a second. We're going to leave that on the screen. Do you see that word anyone right there? So this is written in Greek, okay? And so uh, the Greek for that anyone, everybody say anyone. The Greek for that anyone is really amazing. Here's what that word anyone actually means. It means anyone. Anyone, not just someone, not just a few people. It means anyone. Do not repay anyone. Evil for evil. And then Paul says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Some of us need to get this memo, especially in our families, because a lot of times instead of being a peacemaker, you know what some of us are? We're peacetakers. How many of y'all know a peace taker? Don't point. You know what I mean? A peace taker in your home, in your family. They are out there. Oh, I'm just going to make that person miserable because of what they did to me. I'm going to put just a hint in their brownies and make them, get, you know, I'm going to get back. If y'all were here last week, you know what that was. Anyway, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then he says this, be careful. What does that mean? To be careful. It means to be attentive. It means to, to make a sincere effort. Be careful to what? Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. What? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone? Isn't that impossible? You've, you've heard it. You can't please Everyone. But right here, Paul, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. What is Paul saying? 
Paul is saying that a real Christian, again, they're going to exercise care in their dealings with people. A a, a real Christian is going to try to be as considerate as possible with the person that they are dealing with. Then look at verse 18. Look at what, what Paul says. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Listen to me. As Christians, we're supposed to love peace. We're supposed to desire peace more than anything. Christians are not, they're not supposed to be guilty of claiming their own rights at the expense of others. They're not. We do everything we can, again, to live at peace with all people, which means, again, that we don't just wish them the absence of bad things. It means that we wish the best possible for them, and we make an effort to ensure that that happens for them. It requires a servant's heart. It requires a servant's heart. I, I don't know about you guys, but I know in my own life, I've got to do better there. I, I, I do. I've got I've to develop more of a servant's heart because Paul goes on to say in verse 21, I want you to see this. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil. Instead, we're going to overcome evil with good, meaning we are, again, going to make the effort. We are going to do the good. We're not just going to wish people well. We're going to do the good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So if we're really going to be a Christ-centered home, if we're really going to have a Christ-centered family. We're going to have to be peacemakers. And so for the rest of the time that we have together, I want to give you three things that peacemakers do. Three things that peacemakers do. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see a peacemaker does is they tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love. I want you to see this amazing verse in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 15. Here's what, again, Paul says. He says, instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Again, we're applying this to our family. And so we're going to speak the truth in love. Notice that it doesn't say, yell the truth. It doesn't say, yell the truth, right? You always leave the toilet seat up. You, you always leave dirty dishes around the house. You always leave your dirty shoes around the house. It doesn't say yell the truth in love. It says speak the truth in love. So how do you do that? What does that actually look like? Well, let me give you some tips that hopefully will help your marriage and help your house. First, you speak the truth in love during non-conflict times. During non-conflict times times, okay? Like uh, if someone at the house is throwing pots and pans at you, you know what I mean? That's not the time to bring up a new issue. And another thing! No, don't, don't do that. that that's not going to help. Don't do that. We work on things during non-conflict times. The second tip that will help you is, is attack the issue and never the person. Attack the issue 
and never the person. Let me give you an example that works well for me. Amanda, my wife, man, I, she's such an amazing Christian. Seriously, she, I love her so much. And so Amanda, my wife, there, there are times where I will do something dumb. Uh, I'll do something dumb. I'll say something dumb. And sometimes I, I don't even realize that I did it because I'm dumb. You know what I'm saying? And so, so there are times, though, there really are times where I'll say something. I'll say something that might not be kind. It's not like I call her names or anything like that, but sometimes I just kind of have an attitude, I guess. You know what I mean when I, when I speak to her? I'm sure I'm the only man here that, that has that. Uh, y'all pray for me. Uh, but anyway, one time, one time after I had, I had done something dumb, I had said something dumb, kind of acted dumb, she didn't look at me, you know, and call me a stupid head. She, she didn't do that. What she did was she waited a few days. She waited a few days until, and then things were, she waited until things were actually, you know, going really good for us. And she said something to me like this. She said, Robert, she said, I love you. She said, I'm so thankful for everything that you do for our family. I'm so thankful for everything that you do around the house. You, you really are, you're an amazing husband. There's just one thing that you do. And I'm sure that you're not even aware that you do it. Because if you were aware, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. She said, there are times where you will say something to me, uh, kind of get an attitude with me, and it's not because of anything I did. It might just be because something that somebody else did to you, or it might just be because something else going on in life. And, and when you do that, when you get that attitude with me, your wife, she said, it hurts me. It hurts me. Well, that was very effective communication for me because first off, she affirmed me, right? She didn't attack me. She affirmed me. And then, you know, uh, second off, she gave me the benefit of the doubt. She said, I'm sure you're not even aware that you're doing it. So, so again, uh, she explained to me very clearly what was going on and how I made her feel. And I heard her. It was much more effective than us being in some sort of argument and her looking at me and saying, you're just a mean, rude selfish jerk with a bad comb over. You know what I'm saying? That, that, you know, that, that wouldn't have been very good because when tensions are high and things are said, that's when things can go, down very, go downhill very, very quickly. That's when you and I might say some of the meanest things, some of the things that cause the deepest scars, deepest pain. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The other thing Amanda didn't do about uh, when, when this was, was happening was just to keep peace. She, just, she, she didn't just not say anything. She didn't just act like there wasn't an issue. Again, as a Christ-centered person, she spoke the truth to me in love. She loved me enough to work through the issue, not around the issue. In your family, think about it. Are you known as somebody who speaks the truth in love? Or at your house, are you known as somebody who yells all the time? Are you known as somebody who brings tension and creates tension? How are you known by the people in your family? Because peacemakers tell the truth in love. The second thing I want you to see that peacemakers do is not only do they tell the truth in love, but they apologize when they're wrong. They're, they apologize when they're wrong. Have you ever met somebody who just wouldn't apologize for anything? Anybody, don't point if they're sitting next to you, right? 
But I mean, I, I, know, I know some folks like that, man, just won't apologize. Man, if that's you, nobody likes you. And you need to read your Bible, okay? In James chapter 5, verse 16, here's what we're told. It says, confess, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Think about that for a moment. What do you think your relationships would, would be like if when you sinned, you confessed it? What would your relationships be like if you said, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have wrote that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have posted that on Facebook. I have sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine how different our relationships with one another would be if we actually owned up to our sins and said, hey, honey, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I'm sorry for the way that I treated you. I, God has called me to love you the way that Christ loved the church. And, and I did a really bad job at doing that. I was selfish. Will you please forgive me? Will you pray for me? What would happen in, with your kids if you went up to your kids you say, kids, I'm sorry that I lost my temper yesterday. God really wants me to reflect his goodness and his love to you. And when I was yelling at you the way that I was yelling at you, I, I really dropped the ball there. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Kids, what if you went to your parents and you said, Mom, Dad, I know God tells me that I'm supposed to honor you. And my actions and my words here lately, they, they haven't really done that. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine again how different, how different our relationships would look? Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. And, and what, what does an apology really look like? Well, you admit to specific actions without making excuses. You admit to specific actions without making excuses. Have you ever had somebody come to you and apologize, but then make matters worse because they blame you for what they did? Does that ever happen? Man, man, I'll, some men will confess to an affair, and they'll say, baby, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have done that, that was wrong, but if you'd have been taking care of my needs, I, I wouldn't have had to do that. That's not an apology. That's pathetic, right? Man, man, honey, I, 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 I'm sorry I was so mean to you, but you just know how I am. That's not an apology. You're telling her to get over it, that you're just going to be mean to her. That is pathetic. That is not an apology. Apologize for specific actions and apologize without making excuses. Think about the garden. Man, in the garden of Eden, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, look, you guys are free to eat from any tree as much as you want. Any tree in the garden except for one. The tree of knowledge between good and evil. Any tree you want. And so you know the story. Eve ate from the tree. And, and Adam, man, he was distracted watching college football in his recliner. And Eve just brought some of that fruit to him on a tray. And Adam thought, wow, my wife's been cooking for me, preparing for me. And so he just ate it. That's what happened, right? No, that's not what happened. Eve ate the fruit. And the Bible says that Adam freely 
ate of the fruit as well. And when they did, the Bible says that their eyes were immediately open. They realized they had messed up. They realized they had sinned. And they realized they were naked. And you know what they thought? I don't want my wife judging the way I look. Eve thought, I, I, don't want, I don't want Adam looking at my belly. I don't want that. So what did they do? They, they sewed for themselves clothes out of fig leaves. Out of fig leaves. And then here comes God walking in the garden. Adam, where are you? What does Adam say? Adam's like, bruh, hey man, I was hiding from you because I'm naked, man. We need to put a mall out here, an outlet mall, you know what I'm saying? We need some clothes. And God's like, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? What, is, what does Adam do? Adam says, well, uh, let me tell you what happened, God. You know that woman? She gave me some fruit. And, and really, it ain't even her fault. God, it's your fault. You gave that woman to me. And so God goes to Eve. And what, is, what does Eve say? It, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. It was the serpent. It was the serpent. No one wanted to apologize for their own mistakes. Is that what your home looks like? Do your kids see you blaming your husband for all the problems at home? Do your kids see you blaming your wife for all the problems at home? Do they see you blaming them for all the problems that are at your house? Again, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Christ calls us not only to wish people the best, not just wish them the best, but actually, actually do what we can to ensure that that becomes a reality. He calls us to something more. He calls us to love. We apologize when we are wrong. So peacemakers, they tell the truth in love. They apologize when they're wrong. And the third thing that I want you to see a peacemaker does is they forgive and they let go. They forgive and they let go. And I want to be, I want to be careful. I want to be careful here because I know a lot of people who are even in this room, you've experienced uh, a lot of hurt, real hurt. I, I live in the real world. I know, I know that there are terrible things that happen in families. Some of you, maybe your spouse betrayed you. She, she cheated on you. You cheated on him committed adultery maybe multiple times and you think how in the world can I forgive that person I know some people in here have trusted people with everything that they have and the person that you trusted deceived you they took advantage of you and they left you in a really bad situation and it's difficult to forgive I know that there are also some people here who you had somebody in your family who should have protected you should have protected you, but instead of protecting you, they took advantage of you, maybe even abused you. You say, how in the world, how in the world do I forgive that? I don't even want to forgive that. How do I do it? Well, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy, but I will tell you that it is possible because we believe the Bible, right? Philippians, that would have been a great place for amen, but Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, here's what it says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can forgive the hurt that has happened in my life. 
You can forgive the hurt that has happened in your life. We can forgive the hurt that has happened in our life through the strength and power of Jesus Christ. And it's incredibly important that if your home is going to be a Christ-centered home, that this happens in your house. It's, I want you to see another, another verse that's amazing. It's in, it's in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 13. But the Apostle Paul, look at what he says. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a, a grievance against someone. Well, what if what they did seems unforgivable? How do you do it then? Look at what he goes on to say. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Tell the person sitting next to you, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now tell the person you really wanted to tell that to. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think about that. Has the Lord forgiven you for just a few sins? Or has he forgiven you for a lot of sins? I don't know about you, but he's forgiven me of a lot. Has he forgiven you freely? Even though you didn't deserve his forgiveness? And even though you didn't earn his forgiveness? Has he forgiven you? Again, I don't know about you, but I know he's forgiven me freely. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I know I haven't earned it, but he's forgiven me freely. And he says, that's how we forgive. That's how we forgive. That's exactly how we are called to forgive others. We, we forgive as we have been forgiven. And listen to me, folks. Family is worth it. Family is it is worth it. And there, there are a lot of people here today who, who call themselves Christians, but they're certainly not acting like it. Family is worth it. Family is worth it. You and I don't need to be fighting in our marriages. We need to be fighting for our marriages. Family is worth it. We don't need to be fighting with our kids. We need to be fighting for our kids. Family is worth it. Don't fight in your family. Fight for your family because family really is worth it. And if we're followers of Christ, we have to forgive. That means when someone strikes us on the cheek, what do we do? We turn the other cheek. When someone asks for our shirt, what does that mean? It means that we give them our coat as well. What we don't do is when things get tough in our marriage, just say, well, forget you and walk out. You take your stuff. I'll take my stuff. We are done. We don't say that because family is worth it. We don't write our kids off and say, look, because you did this, you're no longer my son. You're no longer my daughter. Family is worth more than that. You don't walk away from your in-laws and say they're annoying. One day you're going to be an in-law. And you're going to be annoying. Family is worth it. We forgive as we have been forgiven. We show mercy as we have been shown mercy. We show grace as we have been shown grace. We show love as we have been shown love. 
We do everything we can to be a peacemaker because family is worth it. I want you to see one more thing before we, before we get out of here. But how many of y'all would say today, man, I, I just really want to have a close relationship with God. I just want to be close to God. Well, I want, I want to remind you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Look at what he says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Jesus says right there that there is this closeness that will happen. What we call children of God, if we pursue peace in the relationships that are around us. See, you and I can be as close to God as we want. And if you really want to be close to God today, for some of us, that means that, you know what, we're going to have to decide that we're not going to be a a peace taker. We're not even going to be a peacekeeper. Today we decide we're going to be a peacemaker because family is worth it. Your family needs that. My family needs that. We all need that. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I know there are a lot of families who struggle. I know there are a lot of people who their family just doesn't look the way that they hoped it was going to look. And maybe, maybe it's, it looks that way, not because of anything that you did. But today, you can decide, you know what, family is worth it. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to make the best of it. Because listen to me, that's what Christ did for each and every one of us. He came and he died on Calvary's cross for us because you and I were separated. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't really have, I don't really have a family. I'm telling you, there is a God in heaven who loves you. Your Father in heaven loves you and he loves you so much. He's done everything he can so that he can make peace with you, so that you can make peace with him, so that you can have a peace in your heart that surpasses all understanding. And so if you're here today and you want to experience that peace, if you're here today and you know that you need to give him your heart, you need to come into the family of God, you know that you want to be saved. I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer. Father, today forgive me for all of my sins. I pray today that you would save me, that you would change me, that you would mold me into a new person. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you the rest of my life. We're continuing to pray, but if you prayed to receive Christ today, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You just lift your hand so that I can know the Lord's moving, the Lord is calling people. Amen, 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 amen. Father, thank you. Father, I know the first step for so many of us to having a better family is 
just making sure our relationship with you is where it needs to be. So thank you for new life. And I pray for each and every other person here. Father, that if they have an issue with their family, they'll be able to work through it. Father, because of the power that's available to them through Christ who gives them strength. Bless them now, I pray in Christ's name.